Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. And we will have come to the end of the road less traveled. the, the last three weeks of this study, so what we went over last week, what we're going to go over today, and what we'll go over next week, they, they kind of tie together a little bit. Um, there's some specific information that, that's going to be shared that's going to kind of carry through all three of those weeks. Um, before we go too far, I want to pray. God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We ask that you would speak to us that you would speak to your people. It is not an accident that anyone is here today. It is not uh, by chance. It's not you know, anyone's just good idea that they had. God, you have ordained every person to be here from the very beginning of time, from the, the very creation of the universe. You knew who was going to be sitting in this room. And God, that's encouraging. It's encouraging because it means that, that I'm off the hook a little bit. <laughs> it's encouraging because it means that you have a plan for your people. That, that you want to speak to the hearts of your people today, God. And, and that is my prayer, that it would be your words that are heard today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So one of the, the specific points that has been made throughout this letter is that we aren't neutral. We don't get to be neutral. We don't get to sit on the sidelines. We don't get to call ourselves Switzerland. We are all citizens of a nation. And to use the the language that John uses, we are either citizens of Babylon or we're citizens of New Jerusalem. And that means different things. It, It means some specific Things. And what's interesting is John is using the term Babylon and he's writing to the church of 96 AD. And when he's writing to the church of 96 AD, Babylon wasn't a thing. But what the church of 96 AD would have been thinking about when they heard Babylon and especially what John's going to be talking about is he would have immediately been thinking, oh, he's talking about Rome. And so John's message to the church of 96 AD is you're either a citizen of Rome or you're a citizen of heaven. That's what the New Jerusalem is talking about. You, you get to either be a citizen of, of the government of the day or you get to be a citizen of heaven. You don't get to be in the middle and just hope everything works out. You have to choose. And that was the same message that would have been for the, the church uh, in England, let's say, in you know, the 1700s, that, that you get to choose whether you are going to be a citizen uh, of the, the English government or you get to choose if you are going to be a member of, of Christ's church. You, you have to pick, and guess what? It's true today as well. We either are a citizen of whatever nation we find ourselves in, whether it's the United States of America or any other country in the world, or am I choosing to be a citizen of heaven? And make no mistake, there is a choice that has to be made. Do we consider ourselves citizens of this world or citizens of heaven is, is the question. And, and it's the question that we asked last week. And it's the question that we're going to continue to ask today. And as we start working our way through the, the Revelation chapter 17 through 19, we're going to see some more graphic language. 
And it's, we're going to be talking about, you're going to hear the word prostitute a lot today. And that was great prepping for this. I actually started going through like the different translations. I was like, what are my choices here? Like, I can go with whore. I could go with harlot. I can go with, like, how can I make this the least awkward for me as I'm standing up here talking about this? Um, so we're, <laughs> but that's the, that's the point. The point is it's supposed to make us feel something. We're supposed to feel something when there is language that is being used. There's symbolism that's being used. And this brings up something in us. It, it makes us understand much more than just simply explaining, oh, these are people that chose not to follow God. There, there's more to it than that. The, the point of symbolism, symbolism is to cut through the intellect, getting to the soul, it, it, which then informs the intellect according to what God has for that person, what God has for us. So as we, we go through and we read scripture, there, and as we look at this chapter, there's, there's talk about this prostitute that's coming up, this riding on a beast with seven heads and ten horns. And it's like, man, do you like truly believe that there's a dragon coming out with, with like some woman riding on it? This doesn't make any sense. You, this, you people are weird. No, we, we don't really believe that that's actually happening. But, but what I know is, I know that the symbolism behind it is absolutely happening. And it's happening today. It happened for the church of 96 AD. And it's going to happen tomorrow too. So there's this beast that's being written. The beast that, that is talked about in these chapters, chapter 17, 18, and 19. It is the same beast that was talked about before. So we have these beasts with these seven heads, right? And the, the ten horns. And we talked about what, what this beast means, right? What this represents. It represents the state and the state-run institutions that are seeking to redirect worship away from God towards the enemy, to Satan. And then we have this prostitute, Revelation 17.5. It says, on her forehead was written a name, a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. So here we have another instance of something being written on someone's forehead. And if you remember back a few weeks ago, we talked about the significance of the forehead, the significance of the hand, right? If we look back all the way to Deuteronomy, there's, there's this uh, Jewish practice uh, of writing God's law, having it on the forehead in a box and having it on your hand, writing it on your hand, writing on the doorposts as you leave your home. It's, it's in all of these different places and it's, it's on the forehead because that symbolizes the ideology, what, what is going on inside a person. It's on somebody's hand because that represents the actions that are informed by that ideology. And so here we have on the forehead of this prostitute a name, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And so we see conflict that, that starts to form here. We, we see the, this prostitute coming, riding up on this dragon. And 
It's vulgarity, but at the same time, John can't take his eyes off of it. There's, there's brokenness, yet at the same time, it's appealing to the senses. It's appealing to look at. We know it's wrong, and yet we're still drawn towards her. That, that's what's happening in the, these chapters as you look at it. The, the prostitute represents the, the city of man, what humankind can build in rebellion against God. So Babylon, this, this city that is being talked about in these chapters, this is a, a symbol of this prostitute. And this prostitute is a picture of a city that exalts themselves rather than submitting themselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's, that's what we're seeing here. And she rides on the back of the beast and she is beautiful to look at. She's fine. And any Christian that heard this back in 96 AD would have assumed that, that Rome was the topic of conversation. Again, because there isn't a Babylon anymore at this time. Babylon's done. And so they, they would have said, oh, well, this is, this is obviously Rome. Later on in the chapter, in verse 9, it, it talks about these seven heads representing seven different mountains. Rome is situated within seven mountains. There's a, uh, a festival that is celebrated uh, within the entire Roman Empire that is celebrating seven mountains. So, I mean, this, they're like, yeah, the dots connect. We get it. It's Rome. But then if we go back to 17.1, it's talking about how the, the prostitute is beside many waters, and it's talking about all of these other things, and you're like, well, Rome's not around a bunch of waters. Rome is around a bunch of mountains. We just talked about that. We, we understand that. So it goes back and it's talking about Babylon again. And so it's, it's saying, yes, it, it's relevant to Rome in that time, but it's not just relevant to Rome in that time. It's relevant all the time. It's relevant in that moment. They're receiving it. It's relevant 500 years from there, and it's relevant to us today. Here we have this city, this Babylon that they're talking about where, where kings are drawn to it, where there is lifestyle that is appealing, where there is wealth immeasurable, where there is, is every good thing that, that we think we need. There's sensuality, there's sexuality that, that is drawing the kings of the earth to this place. And the important thing to note here is this isn't John writing like a public service announcement to the people outside the church saying, hey, you guys should probably watch out for this. This is John writing the letter to the churches in Asia saying, hey, watch out. She's going to catch you. Beware, this, this woman is good looking and she is good at what she's trying to do. And I mean, in verse six, there, there's, uh, it says, John marveled at her. John just got done with all of these bold judgments that, that, that happened, right? All of the judgments of God's wrath. John has been in the presence of Jesus as he's been, been receiving this revelation. And here comes this woman on the back of the beast and John turns and he looks at her. And I just kind of picture this angel like slapping him across the face like, hey, eyes up here. Don't, don't look at her. 
She is a seductress, and she is good at what she does. This is a word of warning to the church of 9680. It's a a word of warning to the church 500 years later and a word of warning to us today. Don't be lured away by everything that that represents. Now, do we understand I'm not talking about a woman? Like, are we clear on that? Like, okay, I just don't want us to be like, man, Matt really hates that lady, whoever that is. Uh, No, that's not the point, okay? And then the angel starts to take John away and and show him what that woman, what that beast, what both of those things together really are. This is a bait and switch of the worst kind. There's this promise that's being given, this promise of power, this promise of opulence, of wealth, this promise of your best life, whatever that looks like to you. That's That's what's being promised by this prostitute, by this Babylonian city, this city of man. Life is hard, but you know what would make it better? Everything that I have to offer. Everything that I can give you will make your life better. Serve me, worship me, follow me, and I will make sure you are fulfilled. I will make sure you are fulfilled financially. I will make sure you are fulfilled sexually. I will make sure you are fulfilled in every way that you can imagine. I'll make sure you have it all. Jesus can't make you happy. Jesus, all Jesus does is tell you what not to do. Whereas I'm coming here saying, I can give you all of these things. I mean, on the surface of that, you're saying, that seems pretty good. But it's a lie. The reality is that she cannot deliver on anything that she is promising. Matthew 5 tells us what God's kingdom looks like. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of God. Do you know what the the prostitute says? Blessed are the wealthy and the powerful. It doesn't add up. Blessed are you who are persecuted for my sake. And yet, The city of Babylon says, blessed are those who persecute. Here we have two kingdoms that are at war with one another, and we have the angel coming to John warning, hey, eyes up here, don't get seduced. Don't you think if, I mean, just stop for a minute, and let's look at the Look at the headlines. Look at, just go to Google News and start scrolling down. Go to the entertainment section of Google News and start scrolling down and, and see what we see. Watch an awards show. Watch, watch anything that, that involves a, a heavy dose of culture and tell me it is not reflective of what John is talking about here. If you can't see it, you need to come talk to me. There are broken interpretations of this passage that just gives everybody an out because they're saying, hey, you don't need to worry about this right now because this hasn't happened yet. This is something that's going to happen in the future. Just keep your eyes open. Until then, you're fine. 
And again, I would ask the question, that is not the point. Why would God give this revelation to the church of 96 AD saying, hey, you need to watch out because in 3,000 years, something really bad's going to happen? What? So maybe, just maybe, this is relevant for the church then, today, and tomorrow. So we see this seduction happening. I mean, you see it happening throughout all of Scripture. Cain kills Abel. I mean, we're we're going way back. (laughs) Cain kills Abel, sentenced to roam the earth. And Cain goes and he creates a city. And from that city, we see brokenness and and all of the problems that are talked about come forth from it. We see Babylon. Babylon is named after another city, Babel. And, And the city that said, we don't need God. We don't want God. We can be better than God. And we're gonna build a tower to show the world just who we are. If we look at ancient Egypt, where, where Pharaoh uses the enslaved people of God to build his city, that seems relevant. We see Rome. We all know the brokenness of Rome culturally and morally, that, that all of the, these different problems existed. If you look at the timeline, I never really realized this. If you look at the timeline, the Roman Colosseum was built in part with the proceeds from the sacked Jewish temple. All of this to show that the natural tendency of humankind is not to veer towards, oh, I'm glorious and and holy. The natural tendency of humankind is to turn towards wickedness and brokenness. You just need to look at a toddler and you can kind of figure that out. Babylon always ends in violence towards the people of God. And we see all of, all of those different historical examples that I just talked about, but, but let's look to today. Violence always, or excuse me, Babylon always ends in violence towards the people of God. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. People assume that the people of God are trying to rob them of of their own way of life. But the reality is the people of God are trying to point them towards life. What you have identified as being life is a shadow, is a shell of what real life could be. There is so much more for you in Jesus. The reason that nations rage against the people of God is because The way that the people of God live is offensive to them. It calls them to something different than what they have. And it shows that there is a plausible way to live outside of worshiping the beast or bending the knee to the prostitute. It says that there's a way that I can live, that I can honor God, that I can, I can be fulfilled that doesn't involve me being a citizen of this nation. 
One author says this, the main thought is that with the promise of wealth and luxury, the woman, the city, entices men away from the worship of God. I don't know how to make it more clear than that. But I can absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, see our nation in this passage. And what we see is that the promises that have been made ultimately are broken. In verse 6 of chapter 17, we see that ultimately the ten horns uh, will turn on the prostitute and they will destroy her. What does that mean? (laughs) It means that ultimately the promises that are being made will destroy those who pursue them. The pursuit of the pleasures of this world will ultimately lead to destruction, not life. There is no ideology that is going to be fulfilled. There is no promise that is going to be kept. She is hollow. She continues to make the same promises, and yet people are still drawn to her. In the midst of all of this, remember John, John initially being drawn to her for, by, because of what she looks like is, is now starting to see. And, and as we continue through the, the scriptures, it says that in the midst of her fall, she becomes a dwelling place for demons. She becomes a dwelling place for unclean birds of the air and unclean beasts of the fields. She becomes this place where everything is just nasty. What once was attractive and, and was something that was luring him off the path is now completely unattractive. So are, are, are demons a symbol for something? No, demons are not a symbol for something. Demons are just demons. We can't just sit here and claim to be Christians and say we're going to be immune to the attacks of the enemy. No, what happens is if we give into the seduction of Babylon, if we say, you know, it doesn't matter what I look at on my phone because I'm a follower of Jesus. It doesn't matter what I, what I watch, what entertainment I participate in. It doesn't matter in the, the gossip that I speak about other people. It doesn't matter how I treat my family. It, none of those things matter because I'm just a follower of Jesus and I'm immune to, to whatever the, the rules or regulations or, or direction that I should follow. If we give in to the seduction of Babylon, we will be bound and we will have given ourselves over to what is demonic. The theology that says that all of our problems are with people who are mean to us, people that that don't like us, people that disagree with us, that we should be hating the people that we're meant to love. That theology is broken. We're we're lacking the understanding that we're, we're not fighting against those people, we're fighting against principalities and powers of the air. That's the fight that we're called to be taking a part of, not the person that's being mean to me. You know what we're supposed to do to the person that's being mean to me? We're supposed to love them. But Matt, we don't deal with demons here. That's like a, an African thing. That's a South American thing. That's, a, that's an Asian thing. We don't deal with that. You want to bet? <laughs> no. John is getting to see 
how bad the choice of Babylon actually is. At first, she was beautiful. Now, she's a gathering place for the unclean. This revelation is being given to try and stop us from having to discover this firsthand. Do you understand that? This isn't something where where it's like, hey, you're already here, but get out of it. No, it's saying, like, don't go there in the first place. That's, that's the desire of God's heart for his people isn't that, that they have to be rescued from this, but that they just don't even have to encounter it to begin with, that they're able to see the danger and turn away from it right away. How many of you look back at your life and recognize times when you followed after the seduction that's being talked about here today? Yeah. Yeah. There, there have absolutely 100% been times in my life where I have followed after the things of this world. And do you want to know what? God is faithful to forgive. He is faithful to forgive. He is faithful to redeem. And he continues to love through and onto the other side of our mistakes. There is nothing that you can do that will disqualify you from the love of God. Revelation 18, four through five says, then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues for her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. This, this call that is, is happening that was for the church of that time, that is for us today, is this call to upside-down living. This call to live in and be a citizen of what, what John says, New Jerusalem and not Babylon. It's a call for us today to, to live and be a citizen of of heaven. What does that mean? It means that we reject the violence of Babylon. We should be marked by peace. Think about what it means to be marked by peace. Not, not, and I'm not talking about like you, you're not walking down the grocery store punching people out. Like uh, that, hopefully that's a given that we're not, we're not doing that. But what does it mean to be marked by peace? And, and we kind of talked about this in Sunday school this morning, that what if, and I, I think that there's the possibility that we are getting to a place because the world outside of the church is, is going as far as it has gone, that when you see another believer in Christ, they are going to look different. There's going to be something that sets them apart. They're going to be marked by peace. You're going to recognize there's something that's different about you. If I'm walking down the grocery store and I didn't know Jeff and I see Jeff and I say, there's something about Jeff that stands out that's different. And not only is it different, it's something that I want. I want what you have. So we're called to reject violence and instead select peace. 
We're called to reject the consumption of Babylon, reject the idea that I continually need more. That's the promise that's being given, that you need more wealth, you need more opulence, you need more sex, you need more anything because that's what's gonna fill the hole in your life. Work to reject the consumption of Babylon and say, I don't need more because Jesus is enough. He's enough to meet every need that exists in my life. He's more than enough. And that through the blessings that I have already received, I can actually go and be a blessing to those around me. We're called to reject the sexual ethic of Babylon. We will acknowledge as followers of Christ that perversity will not bring the soul-level satisfaction to which God has, has called us to. What does that mean? Well, let's, again, just take a moment and look at the news. Take a moment and look at, at what is going on in the world around us, in our government, in our, our schools, and in, in every part of our culture. What the world is saying about this type of thing. What we are going to say as followers of Christ is that we are going to embrace that sex has been given to a man and a woman within the confines of covenantal love so that souls are cherished and built up rather than consumed and devoured. And we're going to be kind about it. We're going to, to share love. But we're going to reject the hate of Babylon through practicing radical hospitality, not to lecture, but to love. That's, that's the final step, is, is that we're to show hospitality. Hospitality is not, it's not just, hey, we're going to have people over to, to dinner, right? We've talked about this. It's more than that. We're going to, to love our enemies, we're going to love our neighbors, we're going to love those who don't know Christ so that when we are sharing the love of God with them, they're able to receive it as to saying, I don't even know who you are. Who are you to, to be able to speak to me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have, have promised to be with us, that you have promised your love to us, that you have promised to be faithful to forgive, be quick to forgive. You have promised to, to love your people. And God, Every single one of us has these, these moments in our life where we have made those decisions to, to follow after the things of this world as opposed to, to the things of heaven, the things that you have called us to. And yet, God, we, we come here this morning, we say, not today. We, we set those things aside and we return to you. God, we come and we, we seek your forgiveness. 
if that is something that, that is currently going on, if there, there is an area in, in our lives where we need to, to make that change, we need to make, make that return, Lord, we do that because we want to be like you. We want to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 